Light the beam, everybody. It's time for Nerdy for 30, the podcast where we talk about nerdy-ish movies for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer, a.k.a. The Critic's Choice. With me, as always, is my co-host, Tim Keck, a.k.a. The People's Champ. And today, we are doing something that it seems like we have to do a couple times a year now, which is mourn the death or celebrate the life of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's right. Today, we're talking about (laughs) Secret Invasion, quite possibly the worst TV show I have watched this entire year. Tim, you just finished the last episode of Secret Invasion. How pumped are you for everything they showed us in this series? Kevin, when we started this podcast, it was initially going to be about Marvel stuff. I think our first few episodes are like just talking about what was it? Haw- the Hawkeye TV show. I mean, we we started this. It came from a place of love for Marvel and all things Marvel. And over time, you know, we've kind of found our voice a little bit more, explored the space. Now we do a lot more movies and contemporary movies. And I feel like we're just kind of finding our groove. But at the heart, Mm. the heart of what we do and why we're here is a mutual love and appreciation of all things Marvel. Yeah. Disney has no respect for us. (laughs) Disney (laughs) despises us. Disney thinks they can shovel shit into our mouths and we'll say, yum, please. Can I have some more? It's hard to care about any of this. It's upsetting that this thing that we used to love is being watered down like this. Mm -hmm. I'm out on the TV shows. I'm just done with the Marvel TV shows. Not happening anymore. You know, same reason I haven't watched Andor, Uh, but Andor is so good. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, the last three movies were bad. Like there's a at a certain point, there need to be consequences for your actions. Oh, my God. This is an Ant-Man Quantumania where they like tried to do a thing. They thought they had a good idea and just, you know, they didn't hit the mark. It was it was a little poorly executed. This was. This was boring. This was monotonous. This was uninteresting. This was a waste of a character in Nick Fury. This was a waste of a character in Maria Hill. This was a waste of Olivia Coleman, Oscar winning Olivia Coleman. This was a waste of Martin Freeman. Don Cheadle was in this for some reason. Christopher <laughs> McDonald. I mean, this guy caught a stray signing up for this. He was like, oh, cool, Marvel. That'll be neat. And instead, he's just gunned down on TV by just sitting there and Hanging out. I mean, Amelia Clark. Uninteresting. Just nothing, nothing going on. Kingsley I mean, Benadir. He's he's I guess I don't. I can't tell if he's a good actor because nothing reaches his eyes. They're just blank and, and staring at you like a shark. I mean. There are things to like, I guess, uh, but overall, this is disappointing and I'm out. I'm I'm done. I'm just done. I'm not. I'm not interested in this. I'm not interested in this. I don't know if I'm interested in Marvel anymore. (laughs) It's this is it makes me feel I feel stupid. I feel stupid that I fell for this. I feel stupid that I went along with this, that I watched this. I feel stupid that I ever cared about the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the first place. This is a huge disappointment. It's incredible just how bad this is. It really is. 
I, watching the first episode, had the thought, this is exactly why people that we know who don't like superhero content don't respect that we like superhero content. Because that scene where Amelia Clark and the like newly recruited Skrull are driving in a car and she pulls out a piece of blue fruit and he's like, you have Skrull fruit? And she goes, we only grow Skrull fruits on new Skrullos. And then he has to pretend to take a big bite of this blue hunk of foam. Wow. It's just absolute dog shit. I mean, this is the worst of any of the ways that any of these stories can be assembled. I don't know how this happened. The budget for this is $212 million. $212 million. Samuel L. Jackson's salary must have been $211 million because none of that's on the screen. I mean, the CGI is the kind of stuff that I could do in Premiere Pro. Like when like 10 years ago when I first started using Audition and I gave myself Dragon Ball Z powers. I mean, that's what it looks like. That's that's what we're dealing with. It's it's a lot of people walking around. It's a lot of Nick Fury, you know, visiting people and chatting and talking about how hard the choices he has to make are. Mm -hmm. They know Don Cheadle is a a scroll immediately and they just wait to kill him until the sixth episode. Yeah. No reason. No, no reason for it. Uh, Nick Fury does not need to be in this movie. This, this movie resolves, I would say almost exactly the same without it. I mean, I was excited for a minute when he met up with Olivia Coleman so Olivia Coleman can show him how this is supposed to work. I mean, the 10 minutes Olivia Coleman's on screen are the only 10 minutes that's coherent and makes sense. Totally Samuel agree. Jackson is a complete waste of time. He's an old man at this point. I don't know how old he is, but he should be running for Senate, not acting anymore. Like, I'm tired of it. I don't want to see him fight anybody. There's a scene where he's sitting at a table and he like disarms. So, I mean, he looks like Steven Seagal, like fat old piece say. of shit Steven Seagal. The kind of Steven Seagal that doesn't get up from his chair for more than five minutes to film an entire action movie. I mean, it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer. I mean, this was a cool character at one point. I used to be excited to see Nick Fury. Not anymore. Not interested. Not interested. You know how you rob a character of being interesting, especially a mysterious character? You reveal Mm -hmm. the mystery. Why did we ever need to know? Why did we need to know? That the reason he's able to get all this information is that he has an army of shape-shifting scrolls. Honestly, it's lame. The way they undercut the character by saying that they have been supporting him getting every raise he's ever gotten in S.H.I.E.L.D., it's awful. You're taking away everything that that character earned. I feel the same way about this reveal. Apparently, Don Cheadle has been a scroll since Civil War, since he got hurt in Civil War. That's what they're talking about, but... So Endgame, Infinity War, none of that mattered. That's the huge flaw with the entire premise of having Skrulls replace these characters that we care about in the first place, is that we care about the characters. We don't want to have that taken away from us. We certainly don't want to have that taken away from us in the middle of the weakest run of content that Marvel as a studio has ever put out. I mean, I'm right there with you. I feel betrayed by this. I absolutely can't. I can't believe they've done this with the with the roadie thing. Why are they retconning the most successful thing that this organization has ever done? Endgame. I mean, it was the biggest event ever. 
Mm -hmm. Everything since then has really been dealing with the ramifications of what happened in Infinity War and Endgame. Why would you go back and revise a character who was beloved in that, who struggled with the team, who was like a part of this? Why would you undercut all that with this? I mean, it's like in Loki where they just pick up the Infinity Stones and it's and it's Marvel telling us actually none of that mattered. And it's like, okay, cool. If you're going to tell us none of that mattered, if you're going to tell us that that's in the past, then I'm expecting something bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And up until now, they haven't done it. They I don't think they're capable of doing it anymore. I mean, Spider-Man was awesome. Spider-Man was incredible. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what else have they done that's been great? I mean, I don't know. You know, even even the things I liked, like Shang-Chi's in the new one. I'm I'm looking back at Shang-Chi. It's like this is a this is a middle Marvel movie like all like they haven't done anything great. They're not capable of doing anything great anymore. I think they're just I think it's done. I think it's over. I think Marvel's is going to suck. I think, you know, the new Captain America movie is going to suck. I think I think it's all just going to be a bummer, man. I think it's all I think it's all done. I, I think I, I'm still holding out hope for the movies, but the TV show. I mean, I, who would have thought that WandaVision was the peak of this? Because WandaVision had at least a coherent story that it was telling all the way through. And it was creative and it was fun and it took chances and nothing has even come close since then. Hawkeye. I enjoyed Hawkeye. I had a good time with Hawkeye. That's it. I mean, I don't know. Ms. Ms. Marvel. Cool. Like, but we'll see her in a movie and they're going to have to explain who she is again. Yeah. So you don't need to watch any of it. The stuff that they did that was the coolest in Miss Marvel, they threw away pretty much after the first episode. I mean, all the all the Marvel shows have felt kind of half-baked. I'm right there with you. The one that felt the closest to being all the way done is WandaVision. We've really liked some of the stuff that they did. I thought the Werewolf by Night special was fun. I like that. It was supposed to be campy. I think that worked in its favor. I thought... Like we talked about, some of the stuff they did in Miss Marvel was really cool. Like the way that they had the environment reacting to the things that she was doing. And she was standing out in front of the bodega and she was texting someone. And the LED scroll in the bodega showed what she was texting. That kind of stuff was really neat. And it gave it that youthful energy. And she's so good that it carried that show through when I think it was. There were a lot of parts of that that were half-baked. The story really jackknifed all over the place and the finale seemed like it wanted to come back to where they were in the first two episodes uh she hulk had a lot of and really did, wait, fun sorry stuff so miss marvel on. didn't they drop all that animation stuff too yeah for the didn't most they just part, like stopped doing it. it in the middle of the of the the show it was like so two cool so they, they, mashed together they came up with this great thing and just gave up on it so yeah so what are you gonna say about she hulk I She-Hulk, I was going to say the same thing. It's like the, we got some really great stuff in She-Hulk. There's a lot of fun that we had in She-Hulk. All the interactions that Jennifer Walters has with Matt Murdock, Jennifer Walters in general, Tatiana Maslany, just another. I, I mean, I think the best things that they've had going for them this phase is the actors they brought in. But boy, oh boy, was that one uneven too. It had way too many Madison and Wong jokes. We didn't see enough of any of the things. I think they're all kind of distracted. They lack that refinement that the movies have. And I don't know how much of that is the time constraint of a movie forcing it to be more condensed. And I don't know how much of that is a lack of solid direction because everything got so scatterbrained. 
I mean, how much of this do you think is directly attributable to Bob Chapek, the former CEO of Disney's choices to just go all in on a ton of Star Wars Marvel content? And how much do you think is actually reflective of Kevin Feige kind of losing his edge? Uh, yeah, I don't know what Kevin Feige does anymore. I mean, he's not watching these. He's not trying to create a coherent story. I mean, there wasn't even an end credits thing for this. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. So, And I saw the director. He's like, I don't think we need it. You know, I think the story kind of closed itself. And it's like, yeah, but the mm-hmm. end credits is like, that's the part that Feige is like, here's how this works. You got to see the director's creative vision. And here's a little teaser of how it could fit into the bigger picture. And they were too lazy to do that. They're not even <laughs> pretending to make this a cohesive, overarching story. They can't. They won't. They're not they're not interested at in it. I don't know what Kevin Feige is doing anymore because he's not he's not trying. So there's that. Also, the idea of just making a ton of. The idea like this is a successful thing is these these things are great in the two hour chunk mm-hmm. in like a sprint, right? Captain America. Awesome. He's got quips. He's got one liners. I'm not staying. I'm not giving up. Cool. For two hours, three hours. I'm in it, man. But in the fourth hour, it's like what? Now he's whining about Peggy. Like, what else are we going to get out of this? You know, he's talking about how how old all of his friends are. He's trying to tell you about how cool a sock cop was. You start realizing he's a little more racist than he's been letting on. <laughs> like, just like he's going to start to like, we don't. How well do I want to know this guy? I don't know. I don't I don't care. Not more. I don't know if any of these characters are worth more than a TV show. You're right. She-Hulk was I like She-Hulk. I thought She-Hulk was pretty good. I don't. You're right. Maybe maybe they're not. Maybe it's not all a dumpster fire, but this was incredibly disappointing. I don't know. Let's uh, let's dive in and talk some actual shit on this show, because I don't think we do this enough. I don't think we dive into the actual thing we're talking about enough. We have been staying pretty high level lately. What are what's your Mount Rushmore of horrible moments in Secret Invasion? Oh, man, I even took some notes. I thought the first one I started writing was when Nick Fury uh, pulls like the black card with uh, Rhodey. And he's like, hey, man, help a brother out. And I was just like. I don't know, I for some reason, I was so offended by it, like that's not what these characters are. That's not what this is. That's really not their relationship. It just felt so kind of pathetic from Nick Fury's part. It was just it was so jarring and weird. And Rhodey even like kind of clapped back at him like that's not what I'm don't talk to me like that. You know, it was just just an incredibly awkward conversation. I thought Uh, that felt like it was kind of out of left left field for um, something that didn't didn't need it necessarily i don't know Best I, i'm trying to interpretation do you think that that was potentially them trying to say that samuel l jackson was trying to suss out to see if don Cheadle was a scroll i don't know i i kind of thought the whole show was nick fury being pathetic and it seemed like maybe he'd sunk that low like maybe he was that desperate that he he had to try and appeal like he's begging people to help him uh, when really all he needs to do is kill Rhodey and then all the problems go away. Right. So <laughs> that or is, you know what? He, he it was also he had 30 years to help these guys, 30 years and he didn't do it. 
Like, come on, like talk about procrastinating. I mean, Nick Fury is a piece of shit. He's a he's a bad husband. He betrayed his friends. He's just blown them off for 30 years. And then he doesn't even try to help him. Like if if he could have saved his friend's life, like none of this could have happened if he had been responsible at all. And instead, he's negligent and we just get to watch him float around. We watch him cry on a bench. We watch him, you know, complain to his wife about stuff and just say, please forgive me. By the way, I'm leaving. And it's it's crazy. It really is so strange. I don't think I've ever seen one of these things. There's so much content that we see nowadays where it's old man still got it. You know, Indiana Jones, uh, all the Liam Neeson movies lately, basically, I mean, the expendables. And it's so strange to see this situation where they're making a big deal about the fact that like, uh oh, Nick Fury, one of the coolest guys in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the guy who can do anything, the guy who was in the SUV in that incredible scene in Winter Soldier and used a laser to carve his way through the ground. Is coming back down to earth, and now you're really gonna get it. And then he comes back down to earth and has nothing. He has no hand whatsoever. He doesn't have anything up his sleeve. He has no one to help him, and not in a cool way where it's like, you know, the same way they try to play every Mission Impossible movie where it's like, and also the government's trying to get him. But Ethan Hunt, he's going to work his way out anyway. I mean, Nick Fury, you're right. They really make him look pathetic in this. And he was uncomfortable to watch. I don't want to see that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to watch it. It wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't interesting. I mean, he's just kind of he's kind of pathetic that the whole time. I mean, it should be like Mission Impossible, right? Like you want mm-hmm. that aha moment where, you know, they've caught the the bad guy in a glass box. Yeah. You know, and they're standing there and they're like, we won. I wanted that. You want that from Nick Fury. You want him to if, to feel like he's being down. And no, he actually came back. And for and, you know, at the end fight scene where there there's like someone's taking out all these guys. And mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, it was Nick Fury the whole time. I was so but I was racking my brain like, is this going to be a cameo? Is this going to be something cool? And no, it's just it's just old man <laughs> Nick Fury who's been sniping with a handgun down a hallway, I guess. Like, how did they not see him? How is he undetected in a hallway? How are you going to take out three guys completely undetected in a in a hall? It's a bright, well lit hospital hallway. How yeah. is it possible to be stealthy there? It's crazy, man. They even gave us a hint of something that they could have used when they were talking about the widow's veil. Where they were saying, oh, $2 billion in development and all this thing can do is change the way your face looks. And Nick said something along the lines of, you know, that's the old model. Give him the new model. Give him something cool. Give him some cool spy gadgets. Instead, he's using a pistol that's been in a tomb for at least a decade. Nobody's oiled this thing. (laughs) Nobody's doing any kind of routine maintenance on this. This thing misfires the first chance he gets. I also, oh, but I, at least he finally put on the eye patch, so that's good. Yeah, God, we got he had it. it locked up in a safe. Time to break the glass and put on my eye patch, so I'm not walking around with two eyes the whole time. It's stu- also God damn, sorry, dude. About the eyes, yeah. The scars on his eye Dumbest are from a cat. World. Yes, they're from a cat, and it's so hard to have any respect for a character whose most defining feature 
is a cat attack. Yeah. Like you can't. How do you care? How do you care about that at all anymore? It's, you don't, dude. He he. We got that great. He's a joke. Setup for it, where they said the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, and then he loses it to Goose in Captain Marvel because they felt like they wanted to undersell that moment for a lame joke, like a low hanging fruit joke that fits right in with the course that they set for themselves for all of these bad movies. Now I really, we started talking about Nick Fury talking in that car and I really want to latch onto this. One of my Mount Rushmore of terrible moments is just the way Nick Fury treats Talos. Nick Fury is Mm -hmm. really mean to Talos in this. Yeah. Not in like a fun, we have chemistry way. Part of this might be the way Ben Mendelsohn plays his reactions, because if he played it a little bit more like, uh, why I oughta, and they're ribbing each other a little bit more, it could be kind of fun banter between friends. But instead, every time Nick Fury insults Talos, Talos just takes it and looks really upset and uncomfortable. It makes you feel like Nick is bullying Talos. So hurt people hurt people. Nick is hurt. He feels pathetic. He's taking out on Talos, who also feels pathetic. Here we are. We, the audience, we feel pathetic. It's a bummer, man. You're right. I don't really know what Talos. It's like they're doing a buddy cop thing, but they're not. They're not buddies Mm -hmm. and they're both not cops. They're just driving around and they're not doing anything productive. Here's something I thought was funny uh, was that he's got a wife for some reason. He's had this wife. Sure. And uh, um, uh. Amelia Clark shows up to her and she's in the house and uh, she's like, why don't you run? They're coming to kill you. And she says, I'd rather meet my executioners here in my happiness. And it's like, what are you talking about? Run. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to sit around and wait to be killed. And why doesn't Fury help her? If they know she's going to get attacked, Fury doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit about his wife. He's off walking around a hospital talking about how hard his life is now. You know, like like he doesn't care about her. So then Amelia's there and the bad guys break in. Very predictably, they break in. So they run around and they go to like this, this like chest or whatever. And they pull out like bug out bags, like Mm -hmm. with backpacks. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. Now we're running and gunning, right? The backpack implies that there will be movement. Nah, they just pull out guns. They stand back to back. They kill everyone instantly. Meanwhile, this is after we've already established that there are super scrolls like one super scroll. All of a sudden we're messing stuff up, or at least Amelia Clark has to step up and try and like fight him one on one, create something interesting. (laughs) So they kill everybody. They're just standing around with backpacks on the next scene. They cut to something else. They cut back. And the two of them are in a car and the wife is dropping Amelia Clark off somewhere and the backpacks aren't there. They're just in a car. It's like, why bother with the backpacks? You couldn't just load the car up and be prepared like it's a road trip. Like, why? What are you doing? You couldn't pack the car in advance. You had to put on a backpack and walk it to your vehicle in that moment like you're cr- you don't even have a gun on you you have to duck and roll into a lab to find a gun even though you know they're coming for you like it's the whole thing was so stupid so stupid god so dumb that was all that whole thing was so dumb this whole thing is just cutting back and forth from scenes that are a waste of everybody's time yeah there's really like nothing going on man there's nothing i 
cannot believe how good the cast is for this and how much they wasted everybody. Absolutely everybody. The scene with Nick kissing his wife in scrawl form to close the series had me cracking up laughing. I cannot <laughs> believe they did this to this man. That is the corniest shit in the world. I can't imagine how embarrassing it felt to film that and just be French and somebody in full scroll makeup. How do you not know that that's going to be a terrible scene when it's happening? I mean, he's contracted into this, right? Like he probably made a few million dollars for this, but still like, oh boy, what a, what a strange, strange image. Also like their teeth are so sharp. Like you're, you're cutting that tongue up. Oh my there's God. No, yeah. <laughs> there's no good way to do it. They are the least sexy alien we've encountered in the Marvel, in the MCU. Like Peter Quill's hooking up with the aliens left and right. And it's, and I'm, I don't even blink an eye. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I would hit. And then skulls show up and it's like, <laughs> these are disgusting creatures. I mean, their ears are horrible. I mean, they're, they're ugly as hell. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they're weird looking. And I don't, and I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of remember at least like there was a scroll in uh, the runaways and all of that. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about uh, they had a relationship with a with a lesbian character on the team. Mm-hmm. And the male scroll just changed his gender to female and was like, cool, this doesn't bother me at all. We're pretty fluid. We don't really care about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So for this to be a driving force in this, for this to be. The scrolls really want to be in their scroll forms. They don't want to be dressed up as people. I don't know. I didn't I didn't necessarily think that was so important to scrolls in general. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that they added in that runaways arc. That's cool. It was a little bit ahead of its time. I think that happened in like 2008. And uh, that definitely was not a super common concept especially in superhero comics at the time. It seems weird that they are so locked in to these human forms or the the human shells, whatever you want to call it, that they have. It made sense kind of in terms of saving on special effects budgets when they made the argument that all the warriors for the new Skrullos cult had to stay in their human form because it helps them stay in character basically like they're all method acting it's just an army of Heath Ledger's out there but for people like Nick Fury's wife I I don't know that it makes as much sense it also I mean all the all of the mechanics of them changing their form it's all so dumb it really frustrates me on a basic level we talk a lot about hard magics and soft magic like whether or not the magical things have rules one of the things that's usually great in the marvel cinematic universe especially when it was starting is that all of the magical things had pretty clear rules for the audience so you could understand it you know the bifrost it's a portal between worlds but this one guy controls the gate and Thor's hammer is super strong, but only Thor can use it. So there's like a rule around that that people understand. It's what makes it cool when we see Vision and Captain America lift it up later. Um, Iron Man, we see him fail so many times before that suit works so that when we get three movies down the road and he's just blasting lasers all over the place, we're not in disbelief because we saw how much work it took him to get here. It's crazy to me that the scrolls change shape and their clothes change too. 
And then when they're doing this thing at the end with the Super Scrolls, where they are getting the, I guess, the genetic material, the things, uh, it was, what's the guy's name? Uh, not Ebony The Maw. rings, yeah. The rings. It had yeah. the rings on the finger. Those are magician's rings. One of the things that was cool about that is that that alien was using magical objects just like Doctor Strange was. Why the fuck were there rings on the finger? I hated that so much. It made a bad scene that much worse. Did you like the fact that they had all these powers? Because it seemed like a huge waste of time. It seemed like the kind of thing that could have been cool in a movie. Like if if all of like if the Avengers have to fight a scroll with all of their powers. And so they team up and the sum of their parts is it's greater than the individual, the, the evil scroll or whatever it is. And also they've created now in Amelia Clark, this may be the strongest character in the MCU is just Amelia Clark just walking around. So it's weird, man. And it could be cool, but I also think it's like a less is more thing, right? Wasn't the first super scroll was like the fantastic four powers, which I guess is why they're figuring this stuff out now, but it's four powers, right? And that's kind of the charm of it, right? Like infinite powers, means he's going to start looking like infinite things and then they overlap, right? Like, do you need the Hulk and Drax? Do you need Captain Marvel and the Hulk or Drax? (laughs) Do you need anyone aside from Captain Marvel? When they were using Groot's powers, I was pretty annoyed because Groot is one of the most unique, interesting power sets that they have in the MCU. And Mm -hmm. to just take it and use it is. I don't know, it's silly. they must have been taking stupid pills. Am I right? <laughs> Did you hear that? That was my favorite. I just watched the finale and Rhodey at one point turns to someone and goes, did you take a stupid pill today? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking? Are you kidding me? These are grownups. What are we doing here? What's wrong with also the the last thing I wrote down was at the end of the Nick Fury gets his iPad, he get Nick Fury gets his groove back. And so he a car rolls up and then these guard, these two guards go up to check out the car and he shoots them. He's not in the car. Wow. We've seen this a million times. Why were the guards there? It's only like the main dude left. Why does he have two cards outside? Everyone else is dead. (laughs) What are they guarding? (laughs) What? Why were they there? Why did we need that scene? It made made no sense. They were guarding. They were guarding the main bad guy who wanted Nick Fury to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Those two dudes dudes were the scroll version of a ring doorbell. The only reason they existed (laughs) is so that when they started firing at Nick Fury, what's his name? I forget his name. Kingsley Benadir's character would be like, oh, Nick Fury's here. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Man. Oh, boy. The eye patch. I want to bring one more thing up about the eye patch. One of my yes, favorite please. things that I've ever seen in a Marvel comic was in one of the volumes of the Ultimates. It was this big final climactic battle scene. Nick Fury's in it. He gets an arm ripped off at one point, but he so he's really down on his luck. Uh, he is up against somebody who is about to kill him and he does a reveal 
where he flips up his eye patch for the first time in that comic series, and he has a high power laser installed where his eye should be, and it shoots a laser beam and kills the person. And it's the coolest shit in the world. He just has this laser hiding under this eye patch. It's a last resort type thing. If it ever gets real bad, he can flip that eye patch up and fire a laser through that knocks somebody out who isn't expecting it. I actually thought it was going to happen with the Winter Soldier when he lifts his eye patch up at one point, but it reveals that it's just his like optical scan to get him into the super, super secret level of the base. But I thought it's been a while. Maybe he's going to go for it. And I mean, no, you know, I thought maybe that's what he was getting out. Maybe that eye patch had like laser functionality or something. There's got to be a reason he's getting this eye patch out of this tomb. But no, it's just it's just an eye patch. Yeah, it was a bummer that he put the eye patch on. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, John Wick just kind of everyone in the world knows John Wick. Yeah. They could have done something like that with Nick Fury and just Why the fuck it would have been they? it would have been great to see him moving through the world with all of these like low down dirty contacts and like mm. him owing somebody a favor and that like to see all of this would have been cool. Instead, he's just he's just moping around. He's just kind of whining. And then, you know, he doesn't doesn't really do anything. I yeah. mean, the main bad guy is defeated by Amelia Clark, who is now uh, a god, basically. Has the power of the Hulk and Captain Marvel. (laughs) Like, whatever. Like, what are we, what are we even doing here? Uh, It was a bad one. This was a bad one, everybody. So let us know. I'm not even going to say if you agree or disagree. This is universally disliked. I think this is the lowest rated Marvel thing of all time. But, you know. It's the bottom of our rankings. It's the bottom of our rankings, for sure. No question. Uh. If you want to write in and let us know, if you want to grieve with us, if you want to let us know a couple things about Secret Invasion you hated, let us know. Nerdy430 at gmail.com. I do want to say one last thing. You brought up Andor at the beginning of the episode. I know you haven't watched Andor yet, but Andor is proof that you can take a Disney Plus series and deal with some more mature themes, make a show that's dark without making it like grim dark and weird and boring. Uh... It's incredible what they did with Andor. Andor is a proof of concept for what they should do with all of these things. And instead, they've really just been, you know, like a beached whale on all this. It's It's been awful. Anyway, this has been Nerdy for 30. We'll be back here again next week with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. We'll see you then. Hopefully it's a lot better. Until then, stay nerdy, everybody. Bye. Stay nerdy. Bye. You really got to watch Andor, dude. <laughs> nah. <laughs>